Dine and streaming at newspress.com. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvernay, your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at 1290kzsb.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village and Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day here in Santa Barbara, as usual. Actually, that's not true. It has, it's been pretty cold here. I was going to say, you've been complaining an awful lot. <laughs> yes. But as I was just telling you before we go on, the, we went on the air that tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm heading to the Grand Canyon for three days. That will be an exciting adventure. Are you actually camping down in the canyon? No, I don't do camping. I'm from New York. Uh, I stay at a hotel and look out the window. <laughs> well, we, we, all have, we all have our joys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So we have with us today Panda Kroll, who is an attorney and adjunct professor of business ethics at CSUCI. Panda, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. And I wanted to mention, Neil, I'm going to Sedona on Wednesday, and I'll be staying in a timeshare. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Sedona on Thursday, and I'm staying at a hotel. <laughs> hey, if this, show, if, this, if this show goes well, we like each other. Maybe I'll see you Thursday. Hope springs eternal. Yeah. I um, like that. Okay, so let's try really hard then. Okay. Okay, so my first article today is uh, in the Wall Street Journal this weekend, and it was entitled The Secret to Be to Braving a Wild Stock Market. And um, it begins by talking about a young man from a small town in Tennessee in 1939 uh, who came from uh, Poland, uh, because of the, uh, of the of the war, he escaped from Poland, and he called his stockbroker up, and he said he had a hundred. He would like to buy a hundred dollars worth of every stock trading on a major U.S. stock exchange for less than a dollar a share. Uh, and the broker called up, uh, whatever, a few hours later, and said, uh, "Okay, I did it." Uh, but I, of course, I didn't buy any of those that were bankrupt. He said, no, 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 I want to buy every single stock, even the bankrupt ones. So um, the person's name was John Templeton, John Templeton, who turned out to be one of the great investors of the 20th century. And it turned out also that uh, he made uh, 20 times his money. And uh, what he said years later was, I regarded my own fear as a signal of how dire things were. I wasn't sure they would get worse, and in fact, they didn't. They did, but it was quite sure we were close to the point of maximum pressure. And so, what he was saying is, look, you know, things were so bad, probably they couldn't get any worse. And um, uh, he went ahead and had the confidence, or the bravery, in the terms of the title of this article, to invest in a, in a 
uh, in, in what was a really difficult time. And at the same time, he points out, the article points out that um, in some very, very bad times, the market doesn't get hit. Like during the Cuban Missile Crisis uh, in 1962, the market only went down 7%. But when inflation began to rise in the mid 60s, uh, the stock market between 1966 and 1974 actually declined almost 50%. So sometimes people look at things like what we see in Ukraine and say, hey, the world's coming to an end, I should sell my stocks. And other times they, they, they miss the point that it's not so much these horrible situations like we have in Ukraine, but it's, it's fundamental things like inflation and certain economic uh, problems that take place. So um, it, one of the things that you need to do is, for example, if you were uh, depressed about your performance in 66 and 74 through 74 and got out of the market, you would have missed some of the greatest stock market in, uh, increases during the uh, mid 80s and 90s that that we've ever seen. Wow, that, that was nice how you tried to tried to end it on an up note as opposed to the doom and gloom that that you right. usually you're, yes. you're making progress. Yes. Um, the, the next article is more depressing. <laughs> the next article is, is, is about a uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him, Diane. He's a 85-year-old uh, uh, economist from the UK named Charles Goodhart. And he's been forecasting, uh, and he's been correct, uh, inflation for many, many years. And he said that uh, in, 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 in uh, he said this 10 years ago that he thought inflation uh, would rise between 5 and 10% a year after, after 2021. And uh, he was right. And uh, he believes that, you know, while the fiscal stimulus of the pandemic was part of the cause, the major cause was that the, the uh, uh, which resulted in these deflationary uh, 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 results was uh, a was the, uh, uh, the the demographics that had shifted and the fact that we had for decades. Uh, low, uh, a rise in labor, a rise in inexpensive labor, um, and um, rise of inexpensive Chinese and European workers, globalized economy. But now he sees that we have uh, just the opposite taking place. We've got a decline in uh, new entries into the workforce in the Western world. We have the uh, sort of the end of the benefit of the Chinese and European workers. Uh, and so he thinks there's going to be continued pressure because of the lower uh, labor force to have uh, wages rise, and that will drive prices up. You know, I have to say, I, I haven't heard of that um, economist from the UK. However, just in, in here in Santa Barbara, if you run into any business owner, all that people can talk about is the fact that they can't find anybody to work. Now in Santa Barbara, it's been a problem for longer because of the housing prices being so high. However, now it seems to be a national, if not global issue of, of not being able to find workers um, willing to work. And, and it makes me scratch my head as to think, what are these people doing to get by? And as we see the baby boomers continuing to be in the workforce, you know, a la our, our president, you, you start to say, okay, well, what's happening here and what is everybody else doing to get by? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, 
you know, it, it's it, it, it's a small price to pay to live in a community like this, but uh, you can see when you go to a restaurant, service is so slow and you can't blame anybody, but, you know, each person, each service person has, you know, twice as many tables. Uh, I know with what's going on in the world, that's my complaint. Uh, pension funds, we talked about pension funds about a month ago and how well they did in the stock market and how it's reduced the unfunded pension liabilities. And this article this week, talks just about the opposite because the stock market decline has now opened up the whole hole again where pension funds have lost so much money in the last two, three weeks that they're back in a hole uh, in terms of unfunded liabilities. That's really hard for me to believe that a 10% swing is going to put them back in a hole. You know, everyone's talking about this market decline as if it, it's the great recession all over again. It's a 10% decline, which is a normal normal part of market cycles in, you know, non-war times. So, you know, this, I, I almost feel like it's a fear that people are reading about because the financial news is starting to, you know, have to write, write about something, but it's a 10% pullback. I think everybody needs to remember that. Yeah, but it depends how big you were. I mean, look at, it said in the article that CalPERS uh, reported, uh, uh, CalPERS uh, assets have fallen 475 uh, uh, billion uh, uh, from 482 billion since March 2nd. I mean, that's a big, big decline. It's uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the, the final, the final article we have today is uh, from the Wall Street Journal, and it, it's it's about um, uh, how bad things can get in terms of liquidity. And uh, you know, we talk about. We, we, we talk, well, we know we talk about, you know, Russia has been uh, subject to so many financial uh, 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 sanctions. sanctions over the last couple of weeks. But the article points out that this has happened before. Uh, and it has even happened here where, for example, Moscow has, has not opened its stock exchange um, since sanctions were put on. Uh, but the New York Stock Exchange closed from July, 4, July 1914 uh, uh, and didn't open until December. So there are periods, and of course, there's Argentina, there was Chile, there was the uh, uh, old, the, the 1998 Russian uh, uh, de default, where you have what you think is liquidity, but you end up with very little liquidity. So um, you have to look at the history. And uh, one of the things that's really Again, this is explainable only because it's so dire, but there are stocks now um, that uh, people project on the Russian stock exchange that are selling at uh, a half of times earnings, half, not, you know, two times earnings, a half of times earnings. Right. Anyway, uh, that's the, the, the positive news of the day. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk. And if you come back, we have a very uh, positive guest. See you in a minute. <laughs> oh. 
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Panda Kroll, who is an attorney and adjunct professor of business ethics at CSUCI. So Panda, thanks so much for being here with us. So glad to be here, Diane. So where are you from and did you always want to be an attorney? Sure. Well, I am from Mendocino County. I know many people wonder why the name Panda, and I always say it's Northern California name. In other words, if you're, uh, if you want to know if someone's a hippie kid, their name is a noun. Uh, I did want to say that it actually my upbringing did um, in Northern California, there was a lot of utopian communities, right? And in a way, my work now dealing with people who realize that uh, owning a timeshare is not the utopia that they thought it would be, uh, there's a little bit of a synergy there. Uh, so I uh, grew up in Mendocino County, went to school in UC Santa Cruz, where I met my husband. Why am I in Camarillo? Because my husband, Dr. Kevin Vulcan, is a founding faculty of Cal State University Channel Islands. So we moved here 21 years ago to so he could launch the university and design curriculum, et cetera. And I began teaching business law and ethics immediately. So I've been teaching for over two decades there. I also teach biotechnology, law and regulation. 
for the, um, there's a graduate program and it's a master of science in biotechnology and they have to take my law class, like it or not, but it's a fun class because we talk about Frankenstein and the power of myth and whether you can patent someone's genes, et cetera. So that that's sounds my, exciting. my origin story. So how did you get into the timeshare niche that it, it's such a small niche. So many people have them. If most people I know who do have timeshares regret re buying them in some form or another. So tell us how you got into that niche and, and what do you do? What is your practice like? Sure. Well, I'm actually a niche within that niche. So it's very, very specialized. I'm one of the, I think uh, one of a handful of attorneys in the country that do what I do. Uh, I fell into it because uh, some clients were, they actually had some issues that were general litigation matters. And then they ended up saying, you know, we have, we've taken, we, uh, we've offered money back guarantees to thousands of timeshare owners who have completely paid in full their timeshares, but they are, um, and we, uh, my client had sold these timeshares to willing buyers who wanted them on the secondary market, but the timeshare developer refused to take them back. So I said, well, let's file a lawsuit against the timeshare developer. And I became one of the, I think the only attorney in the country that's actually affirmatively um, sued on behalf of what we call them exit companies um, to say, look, we found uh, buyers for these timeshare owners. You need to recognize that um, the original owner no longer is responsible for the dues and um, all the obligations that come with the timeshare. So that was a long-winded answer, but basically I fell into it because we my client had a need, which is to satisfy its contracts with its customers that involved the cooperation of an, a hostile third party, which was the timeshare developer. Um, so that was, I think, over a decade ago. And because I had this unique experience of actually bringing a lawsuit against the developer on behalf of an exit company, uh, when what happened in the last few years is that the timeshare developers aggressively uh, attacked all the companies and many attorneys who have tried to help people get out of their timeshare. So these are multi-million dollar lawsuits saying, how dare you say that you can help people get out of their timeshare? Because according to the developers, these contracts are unbreakable, they're um, in perpetuity, and that anybody who tries to help someone is liable, including an attorney, which is really surprising, is liable for tortious interference with contract, uh, false advertising, and even, I've even seen RICO claims, which the, the courts, you'd think the courts would quickly dismiss these, but other than the RICO claim, it, you know, was uphill battle to defend the lawsuits on behalf of my attorney clients and my exit company clients. So in other words, I'm coming to an end, I help the helpers. So I actually don't help individuals who, and there are many, as you said, Diane, who would like to get out of their timeshare. By the way, let's be clear. Many people love their timeshare. I just don't see them. They don't come, you know, they, they don't come to me. Um, and the people who don't like them do are, tend to be vocal about saying, you know, they're trapped and they feel frustrated. Um, but there are attorneys, very few who will help them. That's a niche. Um, less and less attorneys will help people get out of their timeshare because they are now getting sued for the privilege of trying to do their job. Uh, 
And but there are companies that um, will take people's money to get out of their timeshare, and many of these are um, not able to deliver. Yes, that's what I, I have some clients that have unfortunately fallen into that trap of you know being charged something to get out of their timeshare, and then now they still have the timeshare and not the money because the person didn't do anything and they still are timeshare owners. Yes, it's unfortunate that there's uh, a lot of fraud in the timeshare industry on many different fronts. So it's really important to uh, have a trusted advisor. And because of that, I started a company in addition to my law practice, that's a public uh, California benefit corporation. And that's the timeshare law library, which is a website of pleadings. And I can so, tell you more about that later. So did you, um, were you able to overcome uh, when you defended these lawyers uh, there, the, the other side's claim that they were involved in tortious interference of contract, that they were inappropriately defending their clients? Was that, was that were you successful in the defense of them? Well, each had a different, so uh, there were five complex timeshare litigations in federal court, all heading to a jury. Two of them settled, Neil, on the eve of trial, literally like within days of impaneling a jury. We believe we would have done very well uh, in front of a jury. I think most people are sympathetic to uh, the problems people have when they try to get out of their timeshare. And uh, however, we um, settled all, uh, ultimately settled all five of the cases. And um, today I'm working on my public benefit corporation. So, so the public benefit corporation is that's the timeshare law library. And in, would you say that tool is used for attorneys who are helping individuals or is it available to individuals as well? It's on the web and it's, uh, if you, it, I haven't marketed it yet because it's not exactly where I want it right now. I just um, give the link to, to my attorney colleagues and uh, my clients. But I'm I'm looking at making it have a another component of it where individuals, so these are lay people, not attorneys, can also get some useful information about what recourse they have when they feel that they've been defrauded and they feel that they've been sold a, a timeshare contract um, that that they should uh, not, never have been sold. That was not what it was promised. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, Based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta, our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The Santa Barbara Neighborhood Clinics provide high-quality, comprehensive, affordable health care to all people, regardless of their ability to pay. Here's Dr. Charles Fenzi. So we're a nonprofit organization in Santa Barbara that is targeted folks who live at the lower end of the socioeconomic scale. People who either have no coverage whatsoever, 30% of our patients have no coverage, or people who have very low coverage or minimal coverage. We have about 32,000 people that we're taking 
taken care of in the community. I think the proudest thing that I have, not I, we have managed to assemble an amazing team of professionals to lead this group. So my job really is to sort of help with the navigation, help clear out the uh, debris in front of the road to allow people to do their very best work. To learn more about the Santa Barbara Neighborhood Clinics, go to sbclinics.org or call 844-594-0343. Texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And during the break, we had a caller call in and ask a question. Rich called in and asked, you know, Panda, could you um, clear up what a deed back is? And this particular person was able to deed back his timeshare. What does that mean? And should others try to do the same if they want to get out? Well, a deed back is the holy grail, Diane. And um, to answer Richard's question, a deed back is fabulous because typically there's maybe a small processing fee, if any, and basically... The developer says, sure, if, you don't, if you're not using it anymore, we'll take it back. And thereby, the owner no longer is responsible for these enormous maintenance fees, which tend to climb. Um, I don't remember what the caller said his annual maintenance fees are. The, the industry average is $1,000, but I've seen them be as much as $2,000 a year. And that's in addition to any other fees that people might be paying. So a DVAC means it's just basically, it's called a deed in lieu of foreclosure. The idea is you say, look, I'm not going to use it anymore. I could just walk away or you could take it back. And then the, the developer, a, a nice and on a good day, says, sure, we'll take it back. And they just basically um, repossess, if you will, the timeshare. So the person's out whatever money they paid, but at least they don't have any obligation going forward. So this is fabulous. Uh, the problem is so many customers call and say, hey, can I get one of these deed backs that I've heard about that Richard enjoyed? And the problem with that is that they, they say, well, wait a second, why aren't you using it? Let's make it more attractive to you. Let's do this, let's do that. And you get the whole, you know, very sophisticated sale. They end up doubling down and now they owe money because they like re-upped, right? So now they have a mortgage. And once you have a mortgage, you cannot deed back typically. And you cannot, um, certainly can't sell it because it's got an encumbrance, right? So basically a deed back is great if you have paid your timeshare in full and you do not have a mortgage on it, but you'd be surprised how the, the large mortgages a lot of people have on their timeshares. Well, you know and, something, you, you mentioned uh, the fees, but you haven't mentioned the revenues. I mean, when they sell these things, they tell the uh, potential buyer that they're gonna be able to rent it out 50 weeks a year and you're gonna make money. Uh, is to the extent that they're losing money, that is, the fees uh, are substantially more than the rental revenue, uh, and it's consistent. Isn't that fraud? That you know they oversold it by saying that you'd make money. 
Well, I'm helping a friend who's uh, an attorney representing what we call a mega renter who, who bought hundreds of timeshares with the idea that they would have a big rental and then um, a rental business. And then the timeshare developer said, we don't like you renting these out, only we can rent them out. So some timeshare developers, whatever the salesperson might say, um, some timeshare developers will not allow rentals. Some will, but if you ask the average person, they'll say that renting a timeshare is no easy business. Are you willing to like open an Airbnb and try to, you know, rent out your your other property. So it's not a simple thing to rent out a timeshare. There are some legitimate uh, websites. I'm thinking of TUGGS, Timeshare User Group, and that lists a lot of um, rentals. So there is a market in rentals, but it's not easily navigated. And um, I've talked to many people who said we were told that we could rent it, but when we actually tried to do it, it turned out that we couldn't rent it. Um, we couldn't rent it for even half of what our maintenance fees are. Now, let's be fair. If you are using your timeshare, then you might be getting great value from it. So I'm neutral. I try to, I don't want to be like so biased that I no longer have any credibility. It would be fraud if there was a representation that um, a rental could be done and their, the developer did not allow rentals. I believe most of them, many of them will allow rentals, but how hard is that? That could be but a lot. Of but I but I thought that uh, a timeshare you couldn't use it for more than two weeks a year. No, I you thought... could buy any kind of package. If, so so you could buy, Neil. These are very customized depending on. Um, there's a timeshare for every person. So there's one for. I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to sell them. I'm just letting you know that if you're in a presentation. They'll say, oh, you, you know, we'll have one that you use one week every two years or four weeks a year or a four bedroom because you have an extended family. So they can come up with anything to meet whatever demand there is. A developer will likely try to satisfy that. My concern is, are you really paying less than you would have if you just went on bookings.com or hotel.com or any of these internet sites? And one of the problems is some people who own these timeshares will be told look, you're trying to rent, at a, you're trying to use your timeshare. Well, that gets in the whole question of a deeded versus a floating week. So the people who are most happy with their timeshare that I've talked to are people that are comfortable going to the same place the same week every year and they've done it for you know decades. And those people get good use out of their timeshare. Uh, they do sometimes complain that the maintenance fees go up and up and up and up and up and up. However, at least they are guaranteed a vacation. More problematic is people who are, who complain to the developer. They say, "Hey, you know, my kids have spring break, and I, you know, we need more flexibility, and they don't want to go to the same place." So they exchange their lovely deeded timeshare, or in some cases, they're pressured to exchange it for something called points. And points are scary to me because now all of a sudden you've got something that isn't tethered to a real, you know, to a deed. And so now you call and you say, "Hey, you know, our families." can all make the week of December 10th through, you know, 17th. And the developer says, well, that's a popular time and you don't have enough points for that. You have to buy more points. And so at that point, they'll, the question is, okay, so you don't have room for me. But if that same person goes on to a booking site, right? Like all the different internet hotel sites, 
very frequently, they can actually find that new money will get you in the week of December 10th and this through December 17th at that location. And it's because the timeshare developers will reserve some percentage of the development for owners and the rest for new money. So all of a sudden you have this ownership interest, but you're competing with new money. And that to me is a problem. And so, you know, when you say there are these different types of weeks, there's the points and then the fixed week. And then there are also these timeshares that go on in perpetuity forever. How, when you pass away, do they get resolved? You know, there are some that are fixed amount of time. So you might own it for 30 years and then it goes back to the developer or, but like my in-laws have them and I'm worried about, you know, inheriting them. What do I do with them? Well, that's interesting. So I, I love that question. It is very specific to the state in which you die. So if you die in California, California has certain laws about what happens if your parent wills you this painful reminder of, you know, your stepmother or some painting you don't want, you can disclaim ownership. So if you don't want the timeshare, you can disclaim it, but you have to get, you have to drop a, um, a legal document that says, I disclaim the timeshare. And what's more, you have a limited amount of time to do it. And what's more, you probably need an attorney to do it. I mean, I guess you could figure out how to do it yourself. Uh, but here's the thing. Let's say it's not will to you. It's just part of your, your, um, your parents' estate. So just like a credit card or a mortgage on a house, if the timeshare has maintenance fees past due, those are going to be factored in against whatever assets the estate has. You following me? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so in other words, yeah. fees have to be satisfied. All the fees have to be satisfied. So now you still have this, this piece of property in the estate. And now you have to figure out how can you get it out of the estate? Nobody wants it. So uh, arguably you could, you could, it would be different in every state. And I hesitate to give advice, but in California, my understanding is you can will it to a charity and the charity could then disclaim it. And then where does it ultimately end up? Back with the developer? Yeah, ultimately the developer at any time can, can repossess it. They can foreclose on it. Uh, so the developer, the, the whole concern is if these are, if these are oversold and they're selling more timeshares than there are people who want to use them, then, uh, then people might have trouble getting reservations. And then there also won't be a secondary market. And there is a very difficult secondary market before people buy a timeshare. I would encourage them to go on eBay or uh, this Tugs or another uh, website called redweek.com. And they have literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of listings for timeshare, many for a dollar. Now, if you own a timeshare in on the beach in Hawaii, you can bet that they'll be, you know, you could you could charge some money for that. The problem is um, a lot of timeshares are not on the beach in Hawaii. They're in Branson, Missouri. They're in, you know, some place that used to be nice, but has since fallen into disrepair. Uh, they're in locations where maybe you used to want to go, but now you don't want to go. And a lot of the generations, you know, your parents have them, but you need more flexibility on thinking, Diane. Exactly. You're listening to you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. 
Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The Santa Barbara Alliance for Community Transformation, also known as SB Act, works to abolish homelessness, to prevent exploitation, and to change our neighborhoods. Here's Barbara Anderson. The Common Agenda has four high-level goals. That is increasing the number of affordable housing units, making sure that we're addressing homelessness prevention, so we're actually preventing individuals from experiencing homelessness. We also have a goal around housing retention, so once individuals are placed in housing, that they're successfully retained in that housing. And then we also have a goal around expanding case management and outreach because we have to know everyone by name and we have to know their needs and wants. And case management and outreach is the way to accomplish that. And we need everyone at the table. We really do. Diverse perspectives, innovative solutions. If anyone wants to get engaged and learn more about our initiatives, please reach out. To learn more about the Santa Barbara Alliance for Community Transformation, go to sbact.org. Call 805-259-4692 or email barbara at sbact.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks could only dream about. And if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Panda Kroll about Timeshare. She's an attorney and also a adjunct professor of business ethics at CSUCI. And so, Panda, how I, this is my new question since we're in this pandemic. You know, my understanding of timeshare sales, I know I sat through a few of them on my honeymoon. They, they prey on mm. newlywed and people on vacation with copious amounts of alcohol and having fun. How has COVID impacted the timeshare business, basically, and ownership? Well, there's been, there has been a contraction. Now that things are starting to open up again, there's been a flood of people trying to get reservations all at the same time. They banked their weeks. So what that means is you couldn't use it, right? You had have, you have the right to use for a week. So you had to pay maintenance fees for the last two years, even if you couldn't travel. Um, but now you have theoretically saved up. So now you have two weeks. But the problem is everybody's trying to reserve at the same time. Uh, the other issue is that um, several resorts, even while people couldn't use their timeshare, they did an assess special assessment because the resorts suffered certain costs uh, associated with COVID, like you know retraining all their staff and all the cleaning protocols. Uh, so maintenance fees continued to increase even while people were not able to get value out of their timeshare. So those are two things that were impacted by COVID. Um, and then the 
companies, the timeshare companies furloughed about 50% of their workforce during shutdown, and now they're trying to bring them back. And so there's been a lot of uh, upheaval in the, in the industry in terms of the people I'm concerned about who are the consumers. Uh, this COVID gave them a timeout to kind of really think about what, whether this was a good value for them. And um, there were uh, a lot of an increase in people who I experienced coming to want to use my, my client services to be able to quote exit their timeshare. So that's, um, those are some COVID impacts. I did want to talk a little bit about business ethics. And this is something that you might not be aware of is that if you own a timeshare and you went, so Diane, you went through several of these presentations yet somehow walked away without the burden or the opportunity to use one. Is that correct? You withstood, you were resistant. Yes. So you resisted. Okay. Well, not everybody is as um, rational perhaps as you, and they do get caught up in the very, you know, just like when you go in a car dealership, there's a lot of um, sales techniques that are hard to resist. And what I find is that I've deposed over 200 timeshare owners and a common theme is that they are ashamed. They are ashamed because number one, they feel like somebody conned them and that they, they, they are wish that they had been more like you, Diane, and were able to say, you know what, I'll think about it and get back to you. 99.9% .9 of the sales are done that day. If they don't sell at the presentation, you're not going to contact them later because you can always just go on eBay and look and see that same that you know the, the secondary market for that is could be a dollar or they'll pay the closing fees but the, the concern is the reason i talk about the shame is because people feel that your word is your bond and that once you've signed a contract to buy a timeshare they, there's no hope for you and now you know you talked about these 30-year contracts a lot of them are in perpetuity which means like we were talking about earlier they they follow your state so it's like you're you're you have to deal with these even after death, your, your heirs do. So one of the issues is talking to people say, is there nothing I can do given that I, I cannot pay? In many cases, you know, we're talking a, a, a customer I just, um, I just referred out to an attorney who I knew could help him. He had $3,000 a month that he had somehow, he was elderly and he had somehow managed to agree to pay $3,000 a month so that he could be a, you know, a, a big, so he could rent any time, any place, but then he realized that there's no way he could afford it. And so he, there's a 10 day rescission period in most of these. So he immediately wrote a letter saying, Hey, you know, I, I made a mistake. Um, I'm, this is, I, I was sold on Saturday. He said he put it in the mailbox on Sunday. And the problem was that um, they said, we didn't get it and you didn't send it certified mail. So he was able to, um, with, with my friend's help, he was able to get out of his timeshare, but he had to file a lawsuit and he had to, he had to pay. Yeah. Gosh, like that, that's a, that's a big chunk. $3,000 a month for, I mean, a month just for a week's of vacation seems um, outsized to say the least. So you talk about, you talk about ethics and I know you teach business ethics at, at CI. Um, the way that we're, we're talking about uh, this business is there are no ethics. Uh, you're selling a product based upon the comparable sales that you can see on uh, eBay. That you're you're guaranteeing the customer a loss. It, that that uh, how does that 
how do you do that in a place like California or New York that has very strong statute of frauds and, uh, uh, you know, at least uh, on the surface, uh, a, a, a government that really takes, doesn't take kindly to, to this kind of misleading sales pitches? Well, to your point, one attorney I know went on the Dave Ramsey show. That's a financial show that you might be familiar with. And he, he opined that this is Amer the last legal fraud in America, that it shouldn't be legal. But the idea is that people have freedom to contract. So even if you're 70 years old, unless you're somehow, in, you know, I mean, come on, we're none of us are getting any younger. And the idea is that even into our ripe old age, we should be able to sign contracts without having, you know, um, somehow them being voided. Uh, so, the, and of course you've heard of the caveat emptor buyer beware. So there's this whole, you know, doctrine that says, you know, you bought it, you own it. The issue I have is that if you buy a car and you turn out, you don't want it, at least you can resell it. You know, there's a secondary market. So that's an issue. Um, by the way, I'm comfortable saying that Marriott and Disney, uh, very few people, I haven't talked to any, uh, to anybody that said, I wish I didn't own it, they're typically Marriott and Disney are able to, um, they will say, look, if you're not using it, we'll find someone who will enjoy it. So it's not all timeshares. Um, and, and they're trying to, this Im the, the aggressive sales presentation um, makes it very uh, uncomfortable for people. So you'll see them trying to soften that. And so what about international sales and how much protection, if any, is there? It feels like there isn't much in this industry at all, but internationally, I've got to imagine is even less. I'm aware of a lot of people who own timeshares in Mexico, and some of them are very happy with them. Um, I'm told that it's not very difficult to negotiate with a Mexican timeshare and just say, hey, look, you know, they might say we want a year's maintenance fees up front, but then, you know, with a fee, they'll say, we'll 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 take your name off the, uh, the deed or you, you're, we'll take you off. So um, in terms of my understanding is the Mexican timeshares generally are uh, pretty easy to work with. And I don't know about other, I, I don't know too many people who own them. I know in Spain and other countries, they've made it illegal to have these in perpetuity contracts. Which makes sense because basically you're just signing up the heirs for paying, you know, there has to be a way to get out of these things, right? You would think. And again, you have to go through a legal process so that it doesn't um you're listening, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Hey, watch where you park. Please, never drive your vehicle onto dry grass or brush. Hot exhaust pipes, catalytic converters, and mufflers can start fires that you won't even see until it's too late. Properly maintain your vehicle. Worn out brake pads may not be able to stop you and can cause metal on metal sparks to fly. Keep a cell phone nearby and call 911 immediately in case of fire. Remember, one less spark is one less wildfire. The California Statewide Fire Prevention Program is grateful for your cooperation. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Panda, when people go into these timeshare meetings and they think, oh, I'm not going to get sold because I don't have any money, what, what do you, you said that that's scary. So let's talk about that for a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, most of us feel like they can't get something out of me that I don't have to give. The problem with that is uh, there's a trend now where you will end up signing a document that basically you, let's say it's you and your spouse, Diane, and then both of you will have, without perhaps being fully aware of what you just did, um, because of all the smoke and mirrors, you ended up having two credit cards open, both of them, one in your name, one in your spouse's name, both maxed out. And then you go home thinking like, I'm not sure what just happened. And then you end up getting a bill for $10,000 for you and $10,000 for your spouse for that maxed out credit card. Um, so that's how they'll, they'll finance it um, through that. Plus, maybe you also have a mortgage that is um, in addition to that. So you've got to be very careful because all of this happens in a high pressure situation and they're, you know, we all know, having been in a, in a car dealership, that there are sales methods that are designed to get through all of our objections. So, Diane, you're one of the few that, you know, was able to withstand these, this, because um, they'll use, you know, depending on which type of personality you are, they have different techniques, right? Um, and I've talked to CEOs, um, you know, engineers. I work for NASA. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're anybody is immune from the pitch. Um, so it's, it's very um, unnerving. So, so could, we, could we just spend a minute? We, we're almost out of time. In your course on ethics at, C, at CSUCI, um, are, are the students cynical when you talk about uh, the proper way to behave in business? Uh, do they see what 
the newspapers are always showing the worst of the worst. Uh, is, is, what I'm really asking, is there hope for a different kind of mindset for the new students entering business? Well, I would like to think so. Uh, Maria Balasir-Sola, who's another uh, faculty member at Cal State University, introduced me to this um, benefit uh, corporation. And uh, this is, uh, allows uh, people to do good while doing business. And the, the students themselves are really open to hearing about social entrepreneurship. And we have a lot of work we do with why um, we need to not only cooperate with our in-groups, but to cooperate with our out-groups, meaning people in, who have different values than ours. If we're gonna solve global problems like you know, the weather and pandemics, and religious wars that we need to be a lot more, a uh, lot better of be able to have civil discourse. So the students are excited about that. And, and we do a lot of uh, lively debates where number one, people have to show that they can be civil and listen to values that are different than their own. So Milton Friedman began uh, the trend, the trend, the, 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 the the, the reality that corporations only have to satisfy their shareholders and maximize profits at the detriment of, of stakeholders. Is that an issue you get into with your students, the whole idea of what a corporation should be doing? Yes, but I also let them know that since 2011, uh, many states have adopted this, this, well, I've been talking about this wonderful corporation that says, look, we're going to give value to our shareholders, but we're also going to be, we're going to make sure to give back to the, the community and we're going to do good for the environment. And people who want to, people want to invest in companies like that, especially millennials. Yeah, you're, she's been on our show uh, before and uh, it's, um, it, you know, you guys are really uh, on the forefront of of uh, what I think is something that you're going to see more and more of, which is responsible business people, and you see that with the, uh, the what's going on in Ukraine now, where businesses are willing to really get hurt to to do the right thing. Uh, Pander Kroll, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all you do, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.